Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Poddleters. How are you? I can't believe that we are fast approaching the end of season four. I feel like it's gone by so quickly. Um, but I'm really excited for this week's episode, How to Be a Man. I speak to a white, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied man, which isn't actually, it's actually on this podcast, I guess, quite a diverse um, speaker. So that's really cool. And we talk about toxic masculinity. We talk about kind of gender differences when you're growing up. Uh, it's a really interesting way I met this guest. Alex Gwyther is a writer, a playwright and an actor. And he actually reached out to me like years ago when I was still quite fitnessy um, to kind of pick my brain about this piece that he's writing and it's kind of come full circle where it makes more sense for me to speak to him now so it's lovely to meet him and get to talk about uh, the work that he's doing at the minute and I, I really think that it's it's a really cool conversation I think we go to lots of different areas and it's really nice to have a different perspective on feminism and uh, I guess how to navigate this world from a perspective that maybe isn't a female one or someone who has a different kind of intersection and yeah, it kind of it kind of goes everywhere. And I also wanted to mention, in case you didn't know, that Adulting does have a Twitter and an Instagram. It's just Adulting Pod. So if you are looking for it, then that's where I post the episodes on there. And there's a few memes, which everybody loves, of course. And please, please do rate and review if you're enjoying it and let me know what you think. It means so much to me and helps to uh, get me higher up in the charts and get new listens, which is always a great thing to do. So thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye. Hi guys and welcome to Adulting. This week I'm joined by Alex Gwyther. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, you? Yeah, good, thank you. You've been doing a lot of speaking already today, I feel. Uh, just one interview. Just That's one right. interview. That's just yeah. one. Okay, fab. So, Alex, would you like to talk about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm a, a writer, an actor and a poet. Um, I've got my uh, next one-man play coming out, Ripped, uh, which is going to this year's Edinburgh Fringe, which looks at uh, modern masculinity and uh, male trauma. Yeah, I'm, I know this is really weird to say, but I'm very excited to be speaking to a guy about masculinity and toxic masculinity and all of these issues because it's not something that generally comes up on the podcast from a white cisgendered male's point of view. Yeah. So it's actually, I was just saying to Alex before, on this podcast, you're a very diverse um, guest to have on. Good, cool. <laughs> well, we're the biggest perpetrators of toxic masculinity. Exactly. So, what is, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be talking about it. So it's interesting because I guess when, whenever I enter into conversations around toxic masculinity, it usually isn't with men. It's usually about or or people that fit into the stereotypical male heteronormative ideal. It's usually with people who feel the impacts of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. So how has it got to the point where you're now commenting on it? And I know that's a huge generalisation, but what what was it that made you see it as a separate entity to yourself rather than like w- what it was to just be you? Um, well, I mean, I've always been interested in masculinity, even from an early age, although I didn't know it was masculinity, but I was very much aware of this kind of pressure to be a certain way. Mm. You know, for example, in primary school, 
to be popular, both with guys and girls, you know, you'd have to be good at football. Right. And that mean, meant that you were invited to the most parties. You know, it showed mm. that you were fit and strong. Uh, you know, you'd be in the football team. You'd have girls liking you. You'd have, you know, yes. lots of friends. And so from an early age, I was just very much aware of that and aware of trying to uh, trying to be good at football or sport in, in some general in order to feel wanted or, or or liked and being kind of aware of that that pressure and I think that kind of continues on and I think as you get older you know the um, the goalposts change slightly mm. don't they so you know there's who who when you get into secondary school who's you know growing the the first bits of facial hair yeah. who's, who's got the first bit of um hair on their legs and who's you know looking slightly more like a man and whose voice is broken and then as you get mm. older into your 20s it's you know Who's bought the the newest? Who's bought a house? Who's got a car? Who's got a a, a decent job? You know, and yeah. I think all these ideas of masculinity run through us. And I think I suppose in a lot of it, it's just come with age that I just kind of got to a point where I thought, what is going on here? Mm. And I suppose it's because it's more, you know, it's in the media yes. a lot more now, and we're having active discussions. And there's, you know, I think there's like a, a revolution mm. going on at the moment, a kind of complete change in attitude from. Basically, I think, you know, a generational thing of how our fathers and, and grandfathers were taught to be a man. Um, I think we're kind of breaking away from that. And I think that's yeah. why at the moment we have so much contrasting, you know, attitudes and behaviours because we're, we're, we're evolving, which is great. But we've got to kind of continue having yeah. conversations like this. And Totally. I think the fact that we have language for it as well is definitely really useful. But I think it's so perceptive. <laughs> Sorry, I've got Invisalign on. So perceptive that at, even at primary school, you were starting to see, because as you said that, I realised you're right. I remember thinking I knew that certain things made you more attractive as a guy and a girl, but I don't think that I ever realised that those reasons might be kind of redundant. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. do you think that you you realised that literally by doing sport, it would be a means to an end rather than the sport in of itself was a great thing to do? Because that's basically what you... you yeah, know? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, I didn't mean that, yeah, people um, were doing sports um, not out of the love of it. I think I, oh, yeah. I was just always a bit of an observer of people's behaviour. I was probably a little bit weird as a child. So I was just kind of uh, just aware aware of this. I, um, I don't think it's weird though I think that it's the very classic thing of, I was really into drama when I was young as well and I'm assuming that you probably would yeah, be into yeah. it then and I do think that heteronormativity dictates that guys who are cool in vertical commas do do sport and aren't into those more emotionally humanitarian like we're not they're not really into English and drama and singing. Mm. Like, I've, you do see that divide. So even probably retrospectively, you calling yourself a weird child <laughs> is still that heteronormativity, like, pressing yeah, down yeah. on you. It's not weird at all. It's actually probably quite intelligent. No, completely, yeah. Um, but I definitely see that that divide. And then did you did you ever get into being that cool guy in school? Did you feel like that was, like, a, a struggle? You were struggling against what you wanted to be and who, who you thought you should be? Um, a little bit. I, th I think, I mean, schools are... Uh, a magical, horrible circus mm. of, you know, hormones and uh, uh, awkward moments. I think there's so much going on at the moment. In uh, I think there's so much going on when you're in school that you know everyone's trying to find their identity in some way, and you know, whatever you're carrying as part of your identity, you know, what is your family mm. background? What you know, what have you already been taught? What's what, how you coming into that school day to day and what are you carrying and the knowledge about yourself as well, I think is hugely um, 
uh, important. Um, I think it can really, really affect children. And I think yeah. that's, that's where that's where you know we're taught from an early age about what what boys are and what girls are. The fact that there's no um, or there's very in primary schools we uh, it's um, more common to have female teachers. Yeah. So from an early age, young boys haven't got that male role model mm. because they're, they're, they're not in primary schools. Yet when they go to secondary school, the male role model that they'll have is the PE teacher who screams and shouts that's and tells so you to true. do the laps and you, everything like that. Do you think that's still true now? Do you know? I don't know if you've looked into it, but I, I agree that all of my primary school teachers were. I think we had one. No, I think it was just headmaster who was a man, actually. Yeah, I didn't have any. Uh, I went to three primary schools, but I didn't have. Yeah, in the majority of them, it, it, it was all, all women. I yeah. I had one, two male. The, the, the funniest thing I was just thinking about, the body hair thing is just a perfect example of how ridiculous these rules are. Because as you were saying about in secondary school, you're thinking, who's the first guy to get hair on his legs and who's the yeah. first one voice to break? Ours was, who's the one whose mum's going to let us buy a razor so we can shave our uh, legs? Okay. And my mum wouldn't let me. And I remember it being so mortifying because I had like blonde, I don't even care about shaving my legs now, but back then it was horrible. And so it's so funny that, well, neither group, the boys and girls probably wouldn't speak about this, but all of us are going through this weird kind of conforming to really mundane things around gender, which are just completely structural. Yeah. And I think all of that, though, is completely natural. I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that because it's it's a strange time. And, you know, if you start growing things in certain places and everyone starts looking different, like, yeah. you know, th there is a, a natural awkwardness to it, mm. which is great. But it's then when that awkwardness then turns into people feeling like they're not fitting in or people yeah. who could, because I think then that that's where we've basically built some sort of uh, requirement or we've built mm. some sort of goal or image that, you know, that we should be looking. I remember in secondary school, you know, a couple of guys started growing, um, you know, facial hair around their upper lip. And it was kind of, you know, they were, it was too, sh too short to shave, but yeah. too long. It was long enough that you really notice. And uh, people used to take the mickey out of them for it, um, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I suppose, you know... It, I know what you mean because it's that duality of like you're at that age when everything is you're trying to make sense of it so actually stereotypes sometimes can be quite helpful in that it gives you a bit of a guideline to work towards mm. but on the other hand it's the arbitrary nature of some of the things that we're trying to aspire to achieve especially at such a young age when you should be focusing on like playing and social things and friendships and obviously there's always going to be that element as you say of like the difference between the genders and um especially puberty which when whenever I look back on that you think oh that was so stressful and thank mm. god I'm I, not going through that now I did a lot of um, I've done a lot of uh, theatre and education and uh, for about two three years I worked with a company called uh, Tip of the Iceberg and we went into schools primary schools all the way up to colleges um, and delivered workshops on sex and education sorry sex and relationships mm. which for year five year six was like down to friendship and yeah. down to change and you know getting them to understand that everyone's different and people are um, changing at different rates yeah. and also understand like friendship and bullying and then you go up to year seven to year nine and then we're starting to talk a little bit more about sex and, and relationships and peer pressure and this idea that you know your decision has an effect on everyone mm. else and then we go up into year 11 to 13 and that's when we really start um, talking to them about you know sex and relationships and what is a, 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 a toxic relationship and even like you know we do little bits of um, CBT and understanding oh, wow. behavioural patterns because it's so important but it's been so eye-opening listening to young people's uh, conversations and ideas on sex and relationships like the, what they know now 
you know, and I'm talking like year five, mm. year six, is what I found out in like year eight, year nine. From like porn and stuff, you mean? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, mass, yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to go into, we went into some schools, which obviously I won't say, but some schools in the country because there was what the teachers described as a porn epidemic. Wow. And some of these were primary schools as well. So what I want to ask you is that sounds amazing. And um, especially in a time where we're going through a very weird world of what the, the education legislation has to do, with, especially when it comes to um, homosexual or non-heterosexual relationships. Obviously, yeah. there's all that legislation they're trying to push down through. How many, um, what do you say? It's like a theatre group that goes in? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's called Theatre and Education. So... Um, uh, it's, I mean, there's quite a lot of theatre companies around the UK that do it. So essentially what we do is we go, in, go into schools. You usually do a performance in the morning, which can last anything from 15 minutes to, to an hour long. Um, and then you spend the rest of the day um, delivering workshops based on the performance, but, you know, around the themes, around the performance. And did you find that any schools or any parents were kind of hesitant for you to be doing this? What was the reception of it? Oh, yeah. Well, there, a couple of religious schools we went into, we had to edit the script. Right. So they weren't, for example, we couldn't talk about condoms. Oh, okay. Which, was it a Catholic school? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I don't want to say what. No, that's okay. In case I get yeah, in trouble. Uh, it was a religious school, but, uh, you know, which we have to respect. Yeah. But as, as people going in there, I worked with two actresses and going in there as, uh, you know, people who are trying to educate children on safe sex, mm. which, which isn't just about, you know, popping on a condom. It's all to do with being... Um, safe mentally, physically, emotionally, yeah. and you can't, you know, talk about certain issues. Really, really limited wow. and restrictive. So, what what was the thing that you found? Mo I guess if we if we are talking about toxic masculinity, how how young do you think that starts to kind of seep its way through with boys? Because I think we were slightly more innocent um, because we didn't have porn when I was growing up. Not that I remember. And if you did, it was very blurry and like we didn't I honestly think I didn't know about stuff till very late it wasn't even till uni I was still finding stuff out like yeah. I think it, we were quite late to it and whilst our guy friends did have kind of there was some that were obviously a bit more malicious than others I don't think there was ever like that much I don't know I've seen it a lot more in my adult life but I do mm. feel like now that with so much access to porn and things I think that younger children will be more vulnerable and I guess it depends on your parenting as well and things yeah but, I was the generation that went looking for it in the woods and hopefully you find a magazine, which what happened with so like year four, year five. And there was rumours going around of like a load of magazines which had been dumped next to the park and there were. And so that was the <laughs> first time seeing naked women. And you're like, whoa, my God, this oh my is so gosh. weird. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, I think, well, going back to what you said earlier, I mean, I've in my experience, year nine seems to be the year where everyone started changing. Year yeah. seven, they're, they're, they're kind of like older year sixes and they've still got their innocence about them. Mm. And it must be something to do with secondary school that chips away. By the time they're in year nine, you know, that, that, that's where they're at their most kind of uh, colourful and right. animated. And that's where you can really get the boys that are really boisterous, mm. really kind of, you know, boy, yeah, so wild. I guess some people might push back on the... I might get you to define toxic masculinity in a minute, but I guess at its most raw and and maybe not toxic, it will be at those ages when you're literally coming into your hormones and you're getting all these sexual urges and it's like that first taste of your sexuality. That is when, I guess, real kind of biological masculinity, if that's even like yeah, a yeah. way of explaining it, would exist. So how do we explain to people, because obviously there's always pushback saying, you know, 
from people like Piers Morgan, who don't think that toxic masculinity exists, which is <laughs> ironic. Mm. Um, how would you define what toxic masculinity is, and, and how do you, how do we n- not shame boys for being boys, not boys will be yeah, boys, but yeah. boy, do you know what I mean? Um, I th- well, I think it's just the, the key word there is toxic, which is harmful. Mm. And so if you're, you know, behaving in a way which is harmful to yourself and to others around you other boys other girls other sexualities um which is you know because of your own insecurities to do with your yourself yeah then that's it's in itself toxic yeah you know we can also have toxic women yeah you know, it's, just, it's just obviously toxic masculinity is the big thing at the moment because it's affecting so many people and and, and yeah. right rightly so i think with toxic masculinity it can be boiled down into you know global issues we can take it you know, to a little comment in a gym, mm. which I overheard the other, just the other day, last week, um, two guys in a gym in the changing rooms. And uh, one guy said to his friend, that girl was lifting more than you. <laughs> you know, just, just mm. that throwaway comment. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I, I, I thought to myself in the changing rooms, am I going to say something? No, I'm not going to say something because no. it's, it's not really the, the, the time or the place. They can come, <laughs> they can come see the show. But, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was trying to think, where did that comment come from? It probably came from his friend's mm. own insecurity. Yeah. How did that make his other friend then? What does that perpetuate yeah. in terms of the behavior and the attitudes? From, from working in schools um, with young boys, young men, um, let's call them that, uh, it just boils, I think, down again to social media and mm. what they are exposed to. I remember in another school we were talking about um, how uh, if a guy sleeps with loads of girls, you know, why is he called a player? Yeah. And if a girl sleeps with loads of guys, why is she called a slut? Mm. And, it, you know, it, it's that's a really, really interesting conversation to have with 14 to 16 year olds. And so many of them, I think a, a couple of schools, there were guys that um, commented on Geordie Shaw, you know, like notches for the bedposts. And, right. you know, it was just such a mm. uh, an alarm of, you know, how um, young people are uh, digesting these ideas of sex and relationships. And, you know, there's nothing, and what we're trying to get is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with when you're, uh, of legal age mm. to be sleeping with lots of people if you want to but yeah. as long as everyone knows and you're not say cheating on someone or you know everyone knows that that's what you're doing and everyone's consenting and everyone's mm. safe then of course but unfortunately this then that that attitude that's that's thrown into it this idea of a competition mm. especially with you know young men being able to to get your end away and how many you know i've been there you know yeah. I, I, and, and i and i went through that as well and, and, and it all boils down to being able to be the the popular one and the acceptance between friends and and people and there's no regard to you know no other people and I do think it starts with the sex education because I think and I've, I I can't remember if I was speaking about this before but I think for us as girls we and my girlfriends always discussed how when we were taught sex education it was about how a guy this is how you put a condom on and this is what will happen the guy will orgasm and that is could get you pregnant and it was just all about the man's yeah. sexuality and there was not one mention of like female pleasure or how this might impact you or no. the fact that you could even say no so then i think we i had internalized misogyny as well so i would even go along with that thing of like one of our guy friends would sleep with those girls in the summer and it'd be really funny and mm. then if one of the girls that was someone it would be kind of like hush oh, i can't believe she did mm. that and it was because we were all conditioned in the same way so toxic masculinity can still rear its head in women um it's just trying to undo it from a kind of systemic very base level so obviously when it gets to social media and tv that's only going to reflect what culture's taught anyway so i think it's really it is about getting in at that early ages which is why i think it sounds like that group that you do is amazing but we also it's also we've been taught 
for thousands of years that the man is the hero. Yes. And the woman, in even you know, in, in mythology, in in particular, you know, certain religious books as well, yeah. that the woman is either the virgin or the or the whore. Yeah. And so you, you fall into those categories. Yeah. So if you don't, as a girl, if you don't uh, have sex with someone, then you're you know the virgin, and then you're seen as mm. frigid. But then if you do. You're the whore. And, yeah. and, and, and it's about breaking away. I think that the big change at the moment, which is really exciting, but, you know, it, it's going to take a while, is being able to break away from those uh, images and mm. those... those. As you said that, I even remembered in... Um, did you ever used to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her auntie, I remember, I can't remember what the second bit is, but I remember she's doing outfit changes and she's going on a date. So as just remember, she goes, damsel in distress or... And then something else, which was like the Jezebel character. And that's uh, in like kids' TV. Like, yeah. I think it was so... I think everything is written from... Um, I don't know if you've read Invisible Women by Caroline... Um, Caroline... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Criado Perez, I think that's her name. But it's all know. just about how gender bias influ influences everything and how everything's written from a man's point of view. So mm -hmm. even if it's not on purpose, just statistics are made for men. So it just... It goes so deep. So trying to then unpick it, it yeah. it's like almost people don't even notice that it, it's happening around them. Yeah, yeah. And... I guess, so you came to this realisation, I'm going backwards again. So you're at school and you're kind of noticing it. And then what age was it? Like, what cusp was it when you kind of thought, um, I want to break away from this? Like, what what tipped you over the edge of being like, I don't want to aspire to this ideal of masculinity and I want to um, see it for what it is? Uh, honestly, it's probably in the last three or four years. That's what I mean, it comes with, I think it's come with age. Mm and being able to just have an, an older, more experienced head on my shoulders. And I'm still going through that change as well, that behavioral change of just kind of being aware of how I'm talking to other people, being mm. aware of how other people are talking to me and you know the pressures put on me. At the moment, I'm, I'm not drinking, um, mainly because of I've got the show coming up. Mm. Um, and I've had comments before like, is it right to swear? Yeah. Oh my okay, God, so yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I've held my tongue a couple of times. Yeah, I had some people go, oh, you're fucking pussy. Oh. You know, because I'm, I'm not drinking. Yeah. Grow a pair. And it's like, and you, and I I know probably, you know, deep down people like that, they don't mean it. Mm. But it's just it's just because it's blurted out and it's, yeah. it's, it's just a habit, habitual thing. Mm. You know? And that's the same rhetoric when we say, you know, man up. Mm. I think the drinking one's really interesting because I actually think the reason people do that is because I, I even thought to myself the other day, do you know what? A lot of the time my work involves drinking that I don't want to do, but I feel like you kind of have to because it's a social thing. I actually don't like, I love going out for a nice glass of wine. I yeah. love getting drunk with my girlfriends, but I don't like drinking a lot. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't enjoy it. So I'd rather not mm. do it. And the reason why I think people say stuff like that is because when you see someone else drinking, you kind of know maybe that you don't really... I think we all have this camaraderie about drinking when actually everyone kind of knows I don't need to have this drink. So when some when someone's strong enough to go, actually, I'm fine, I'm just going to have a soda water, everyone takes that as like a personal attack on them yeah. because it's, it's a bit like when you're younger and your friend starts exercising and you don't want to exercise and you're like, well... You're a loser because you can't. It, it's instead, it's a projection of your own insecurities. Yeah. Really, if anything, it's a compliment because it's like yeah. you're saying, "I don't need alcohol to enjoy your company because you're a great person." Yeah, so it's a, I think it's a, compliment. a really good thing that needs. To, I do think that that's really problematic. This idea of um, shaming people for not drinking because there's a whole new set kind of change, especially with the younger generation coming through, where they're like not even necessarily sober, but like semi-sober. They just don't it's need great. to drink, which is amazing. But. The flip side of that is the huge thing of gym culture that we yeah. now have, which yeah. which we were speaking about 
earlier, um, which is, which I think is great. And I think, you know, the fact that 16 year old or teenagers and young people are sacrificing going out and getting messy on the weekends to, you know, go to the gym in the morning is fantastic. But with that now, we, we're, I think, branching out into a new, um, I wouldn't say crisis, but it's like a new vice for people to be able to now assert their... Get clout. So do you think the yeah. reason they're not drinking is because they want to stay lean? Maybe, or... yes. I, 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 can't, I can't talk, right. you know, and I don't want to give any generalizations or anything like that. You know, I know I, I know from working in schools that I've seen 16-year-olds with protein shakes. Yeah, that's weird, isn't I it? Do, I mean, and I, I've, I've always thought if I was 16 years old, would I be carrying a protein shake around with me? Uh, possibly. I don't know, but it's just the fact that, you know... Actually, it's... that's quite interesting, though, because at our school, and I've, I've definitely done this before, with, I spoke about with my friend Jazz, who went to my school as an athlete, and we were talking about, like, the difference between athletes and fitness influencers kind of thing. Mm. And the boys did go to the gym from a really young age, and we didn't really know that that's what they did, but they did. They they all knew about nutrition, they knew about macros. So I remember when I, I started getting into fitness, all the yeah. guys already knew. So maybe that, that pervasiveness of... Um, that the, again, the masculinity already existed in our school, but I do think the problems kind of exacerbated now with social media and this idealization of perfect bodies, which yeah. has just gone tenfold. I mean, that that could be a podcast on on, I know. on, on, on its own. I mean, that's what, yeah. I mean, that's why I said how I, we got in yes. touch because I was reaching out to uh, social media influencers who uh, were focusing a lot on on, mm. on fitness just to get their. Uh, I, and you know, there's there's so many different people. Some who are like you know core into the fitness, yeah. and some who are like fish, fishing, fashion, and fitness. And, and was I? I think I was quite fitnessy though when you first spoke to me. Yes, I? I think so. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. really interesting because it's come right actually now. It's like the perfect fit. It's funny that it's like how it, you got into that as well because I think you were. Do you want to explain how you? Because <laughs> you just said this from earlier, but what was your catalyst for writing this play and then getting into the headspace of starting ripped? The, yeah. The so, um, well, I think. Uh, so in terms of, yeah, so I've always been interested in masculinity um, and uh, I remember uh, an ex-girlfriend uh, said to me um, that she, if we had a, a, a break in a burglar, uh, burgle the flat, um, she didn't she she didn't think that I was the type of man to go out and confront the burglars. And I remember at the time being really like offended by mm. that and that was a real kind of knock to my masculinity and I kind of that really really uh stuck with me mm. and uh we split up the following year and so uh just to, to mend a broken heart that's when I started going down at the gym because I, I kind of wanted to transform myself in a in a way which made me feel slightly stronger and and, and more like a man and that, I don't think that was necessarily a, a negative thing no. I think I think you know you know I got fitter and, and healthier and I um so I think that was a good thing but I it's the it was of Observing it's quite interesting that it came from a place where someone knocked my mm. masculinity or, you know, uh, it made me feel less of a man. And so that that's kind of how I got into the whole gym world online yeah. and, and being aware of, you know, social media influencers and, and, and the impact that's happening. I, I guess as a guy then, that's awful because that's definitely something that I've done when I was younger. I've realised that a lot of the boyfriends I went for were this like alpha male toxic masculine because we've been taught, you're always taught that that's kind of the epitome of yeah. um, like what's attractive. And as I've got older, I've actually realised that people who are, the men who don't speak over you and don't have that big ego and who actually have, want to listen and want to learn, that's a really being what well, that's kind of really being an alpha male because it's it's 
I don't know. It's, it's so, I literally had this whole realization. I was like, why are my relationships all like this? And it really was because mm. society's designed it for, and also I'm not um, a quiet, diminutive woman i'm not someone that's like that that dynamic was never going to work for me yeah. i need someone that will be like on my level yeah, yeah and because we're not taught to be like that it's it's quite interesting and i i'm fairly certain that i probably would have made comments especially as a teenager to guys that would have insinuated that they weren't manly enough because that 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 internalized misogyny which is basically saying anything that's remotely feminine is crap like women yeah. are lesser than so if a man has any feminine quality then they're also lesser than so that's Completely. kind of where all boils down to really doesn't it yeah but. completely there's um there's a line in the in rip and it's um no girl wants to be on the arm of a skinny guy she wants to be on the arm of tom hardy or thor or magic mm. mike um which is what this is kind of jack's motivation for you know going down the gym and 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 making himself into a real this this real man um and, and me, jack's your protagonist just in case yeah so jack, jack jack is the main character in 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 ripped um who who goes on this uh transformation into mm. a hyper masculine man and it's it's true you know when we have these and we've had it you know with the, the pin-up poster girls mm. you know of of seeing these skinny girls or you know that the whole per, the idea of a perfect woman has mm. gone through so many changes, changes and, and it's still going through change i don't know really know what it is now i don't know whether there is one i'm not yeah. sure if we're still on the whole um kim kardashian big bum kind of vibe or if we've I moved on i don't that's know changed. the irony is that i think the big bum things change it's so funny watching it now because i used to try and like conform to stuff and you do just realize you just gotta stick with your own body because otherwise yeah. you're just gonna be so upset but there's it also depends on like what circle you're in and true yeah exactly so it's really um dependent actually whilst we're on that how do you because I, whenever I talk about Love Island or I, when I was considering watching <laughs> yeah. it this series one of the main like things was like there's no body diversity and we always talk about often how it makes girls feel but how does it make men has it ever impacted your mental health do you watch it at all or? Uh, my girlfriend loves it yeah. she watches it and I have every time I'm kind of walking through our living room I, I do sometimes stop and I'm, I say to Kay what's going on <laughs> is, is it Mora yeah. Is more getting with Kurt Curtis? Well, I thought that they were okay, and so I know I'll, I'll carry on. Yeah, but because it's such trashy TV, and because you, the, from a writer's perspective, I did watch the, I watched the last one, mm. which I, I which um, my girlfriend got me into, and I, I just became fascinated it in terms of a narrative perspective. It is really interesting because it, it it does unfold like a story, and mm. I think as a writer, there's something that you can learn from from that in terms mm. of you know um, gripping audiences. Uh, so you know. Reality TV is really interesting. The, the Curtis thing is very interesting as well because on Twitter, someone had shared his Facebook profile and on his Facebook profile, it said interested in men. And mm -hmm. I don't follow my echo chamber is very kind of uh, woke and no one's really making jokes about sexuality. And because that had gone onto the Explore page, everyone was like, I knew Curtis was gay, classic, he's just in there. And it was so fascinating to watch all these people have really stringent homophobic ideas, which I don't think they even realised how problematic that was. First of all, he could have had interest in men because it was a joke. It could have been that his sexuality's changed, he's bi. It could have been any reason. Mm. But it was that exact, oh my God, you could tell I knew he was gay. This condemnation because his personality, he's slightly more on the campus side, I guess, of... Mm -hmm. And he's not outwardly kind of like that alpha male style. Yeah. And people almost were kind of um, vilified. Is that the right? But they kind of felt like, oh, good, I'm glad that he's gay. That makes sense to me now because they could, they didn't. Right, it okay. almost like reconciled their preconceptions about him. Yeah. That because he wasn't super masculine, they couldn't almost get the fact that he could. Yeah. That people can be much like you can have a masculine woman who's not 
um, a lesbian and you can have a, a feminine man yeah, who's yeah. straight and yeah. people find it really annoying I think sometimes to reconcile those two things they sound like they were relieved because their preconceptions yeah. are, are, are which based on we, truth which we don't even know because someone could have fabricated the photo anyway like it was just exactly, but yeah. the amount of people that came out to kind of go like that again it's that self-projection I think they felt comforted mm. because probably they felt their own ideas of masculinity questions I mean maybe if you find out that women actually really fancy this guy that's not hyper masculine mm-hmm. what does that say to some guy who spent his whole life trying to be yeah some kind of way i guess it could be quite threatening to your own perception of yourself yeah do you know which i guess yeah, is kind yeah. of ties into what you were saying about in the yeah. story well i think yeah i mean like we said earlier i said like i said earlier um we get our ideas and our preconceptions of, of genders and sexualities from what we consume mm. and what we will continue to consume in films um, music videos, uh, reality yeah, TV, so magazines, everything like that. And I think th- the biggest challenge is being able to step outside of that and just understand that what you're being fed isn't the truth mm. and, and and it isn't always realistic. I can't believe that some of the guys, you mentioned that I'm, I'm 32 and I probably look about 23. Mm. Some of the guys in there look, you know, my age. Oh and my they're, god! And they're, yeah, and they're, twenty. They're ten years younger than me. Yeah, I think it's, that is mental. That is that is so bizarre. I mean, it's it's you know fair play yeah. to them. But when you've got representations like that, so at twenty one years old, if a twenty one year old mm. is looking at that and they don't look like you yeah. know this guy or that guy, and you don't have you know shoulders the size of boulders, mm. and then, and you just you know, what what does that say then yeah. about you? How does that make you feel? And I'm not saying we shouldn't see people like that because they're still a person and they still yeah. need to be represented and given their 15 minutes of fame as well. But when you've literally got everyone mm. like that taking up all yeah. spaces of, of um, influence for young yeah. young people and young minds, it's... God, but it's so fascinating to hear this from a guy's point of view because interestingly, it's the other way around for girls. So like, I get what you're saying because I can remember our guy friends at school, boys, very, their puberty does seem so rapid. Like from one minute they look like your little guy friend and the next day they come to school and they literally look like a man mm. and that can happen at all different ages. And watching the programme, as you say, like guys will aspire to be like Tommy, who's 20 years old, but is very muscular and looks very developed. For a woman, the younger you look and the more pre-pubescent you look, the better. So if someone looks old as a woman Mm. on there, you're like, oh, well, she looks old for, not me, but society. And that, again, it's so funny how it's so opposite. Like the younger you look as a woman, the better. Whereas guys, especially younger guys, like the mature and the more... It is. It is. It also ties into which I guess we're going to go into in a minute is the conversation around rape, but that that problematic nature of the um, the powerful, stronger, older man with mm. the younger, more not always, but often um, more weak kind of um, prey. Yeah, it, it, it is quite just. Uh, I don't know, but it it's obviously comes from sadly like an evolutionary point, I guess, as well. But well, I th- it's. I think I think it, in the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years, I think um, women have done a lot more to um, liberate themselves mm. from, uh, you know, their, their stereotypes yeah. and the whole, you know, everything that all the progress that's being made in, you know, women's rights, which still has so far to go. Um, is is amazing. I think that there's been a liberation, mm. you know, within that. You know, I remember being in primary school and the topic about um, there shouldn't always be such skinny girls on the cover of magazines. And that was when I was in primary school. Wow. So that was, I don't know, what, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but we're still not, not quite there, there yet with, with men. We're, we're, we're behind. You know, we're, we, 
not really having that conversation yeah. about, okay, we've got to stop having these guys at 20 years old with six pack on, on men's health saying that mm. this is what you've got to, got, got to mm. aspire to. You know, I've, I saw an old um, men's health magazine is it right to say mental health? Oh my God, yeah, go for it. Say okay. whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not, 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 yeah, not having to go at mental health or anything, but it, it, it was interesting seeing, uh, I think it was like 10 years old, and it was interesting just, um, there was an article about how to pick up women and, really? and how to kind of approach them and, and what women like, and it was kind of dictating what women like in men's health. And it went through that whole phase of you know that to be a man you know it's the whole thing of being to be a man you've know, mm. got to wear a suit like James Bond and drive an Aston Martin and have this kind of watch and have this kind of fragrance and you know you go do this kind of workout routine yeah. and you know it's 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 ridiculous and that it was only is. about 10 years ago do you know I forgot what you're right they always had like pick up points on them and also women's magazines would be the other way like how to impress a guy it was yeah. never like how to get your get off or whatever for a woman which would be really yeah. empowering like how yeah, to yeah. whatever it is really fast and it is in only very recent history I think the, the reason that we trip up on talking about masculinity with men and even I'm not that good at it is because obviously men do have more privilege so it ends up being quite course, a skewed yeah. conversation so when someone is maybe more woke like you you might not even want to centre yourself in, in that conversation and then everyone else who maybe hasn't got to that realisation is very protective of their masculinity because it is also a means of um, capital mm. if you do fit into that stereotypically handsome man you've got money you've got wealth you literally are the top of a, a designed yeah. food chain Definitely, yeah. so to then have to dismantle that and do work to realise why that might be problematic for other people could be very soul destroying and completely um, like depersonalise you do you know what yeah, I mean yeah yeah why, why would you want to break down your own privileges yeah. just like just the way you know yeah, yeah. and I, I think more, more and more people are are doing that and I think but more and more people need to do that you know as, as a yeah. white as a white straight male yeah. <laughs> um, I know that I'm uh, ex extremely privileged mm. uh, and have had, had loads of privileges that have come my way that I I've probably never been aware of yeah but it's just about being awakened and, and understanding that and thinking well how can I uh, how can I use my privilege in a more positive way? But I think it's just the fact that if you understand that you are privileged, but that's that's yeah, part, totally. part of the conversation with, you know, because I know you said about masculinity and and, and feminism. You know, it's the yeah. thing. It's we can't talk about masculinity without talking about women as well because they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, and um, you know, why a lot of people have the whole part part of toxic masculinity, misogyny, and everything like that mm. comes in is because. Men, certain men don't want to give up their privilege and yeah. they don't want to, they cannot stand the thought that a woman is going to get the job over them. Yeah. Be, even though she might be better yeah. at the job, it's the fact that we shouldn't be giving up our uh, jobs for women, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. and, that, and that's where the, to the toxicity it's, comes yeah, in. Yeah, exactly, because it's so deeply entrenched and especially when it comes to talking about like trans rights and trans communities mm. as well, like ma toxic masculinity is absolutely rife because I think that idea of, it is just that protection around the gender and it's a really redundant one because as we've like been talking about, toxic masculinity isn't just harmful to people on the receiving end of it, but if you're living with this idea that you've got to create this facade all your life, it's can be, I can imagine like quite soul destroying. <laughs> Mil I'd say millions of men around the world, you know, are not 
living happy because of it. Yeah. A patriarchal society does not serve men. No. It doesn't serve men. Well, I mean, well, it, 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 does. it does. It does. But what I mean, <laughs> what I mean it doesn't serve men kind in, of 100%. In the way they it doesn't think... serve men as men perceive it. It, yeah. it serves yeah. them because they're still oppressed by, you know, their their own uh, pressures and regulations do, that they put on themselves. With your guy friends or like guy, do you talk about stuff like this? No. Never. No. Well, could you bring uh, it up? Could I? Could I bring it up? Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably could. Yeah. I don't would think they be? Do. Would they engage with it? Mm, I think they would. I think it would. It would. Yeah. Would it be divisive? Do you mm, think? Yes, I think it probably would be divisive. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've got a real mix of friends yeah. from, you know, I suppose the uh, writing and acting world. And I've got my mates that I went to school with as right. well. So there's a real kind of eclectic mix of of. Of people with different attitudes and different behaviours, but I th the thing, the, the thing is, though, is that collectively, if you were to get a load of guys in a room, you can't trust everything they say because they're in a collective. So I mean, <laughs> don't trust a bunch of men. I'll remember well, that. Well, it's it's the same. It's the same idea that you know, guys um, shouting out from a car mm. when they're driving past. Fine. Collectively, they would do that because the need to impress other men or the men the that they're with. Individually that's probably where you're going to get a more honest answer mm. because there's no one around to uh, to impress or, or to, yeah. to, you know, to entertain or anything like that. You sit them down and you think, do you actually think that? Is that yeah. what you really think? And chances are, well, no, it's just a bit of banter. It's just a bit of a laugh. So the whole, like, boys will be boys locker room chat, is that still there? Do you see it every day, do you think? Mm, yeah. And is it as... Because I remember hearing, like, you know, it's a thing. And I even remember thinking when I was younger, boys with boys, because it is just in, like, in my lifetime. First of all, I've had to do my own unlearning of toxic masculinity and misogyny. Mm. But even now, when I hear some things that guys say, I'm like, they don't actually still say that, do they? But uh, oh, I'm going <laughs> to give up the guy code. <laughs> do, good. Uh, I'm joking by that. that kind of, yeah, well, of course, of course guys, guys still have that... Uh, still talk like that I think because the essential thing is that it's locker room talk so the, the, people are going they're going to find it not as harmful because it's in the the four mm. walls of an enclosed locker space and that's you know we know that we don't necessarily act like that it's just the problem that you know even if you're saying that to a friend of yours yeah. even if you're saying it to a guy it's still in the greatest grand, grander scheme of things continuing the yeah. discourse of, of those kind of attitudes and, and behaviours. Well, you that's, know? I'm glad you said that because that's kind of like where I'll I'll have someone like a man on my, like they'll be agreeing with me right up until the minute when I kind of want to talk about how um, making one small decision has an impact. So I talk about rape culture and I'll say how like saying something victim blaming like, oh, it was her fault she was wearing a short skirt is part, <sighs> of, the, the, part, part of the problem when it comes to rape culture because it's, and they're like, no, no, no. And and then the, the not all men thing is the worst because the first lesson says not all men, you just know that you're one of those guys. But we know that it's not all men. There's a really good yeah. quote that's like, 
it's not all men it's just enough men to make me fear all men like it is that, yeah, completely, that yeah. idea and I think what the problem is people find it very hard to take themselves back and look and realise it's a systemic it's a systemic yeah. issue yeah, yeah. and that locker room chat I'm so glad you said that because you're right just because it's happening behind closed walls doesn't mean it doesn't have that further CPN impact especially for like younger boys I can imagine if you, they were in like a gym changing room and there's still grown men saying yeah. that receptionist had a nice ass or whatever they're saying that's probably not what they're saying no <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that, that is that, that's a yeah. good example. In, in, in the, I don't think that's that's the the most insulting thing. No. But w- would a girl say that though? If you said you know that that guy's arms were that guy's arms were tasty. <laughs> I don't know. What they yeah, do. but I think no, definitely we definitely would comment on the way people look, but it's not got that same kind of um, predatory feeling. Right. Because okay, yeah. I think when guys in a group are doing it together, like oh my god, I would, and I and it right, would just yes, be yes. it's it's very like there's no consent. Whereas a girl, but like, oh my god, he was so, he's so good looking, and it would probably be in like. Do you think he would fancy me? It always is the same in flip reverse. It's ge- it would generally never be like. I mean, I do have one friend I remember that was like, "I'm going to climb him like a tree." But True, and it yeah. is changing. Like women are getting more sexually liberated. But I generally think, um, is, but, as a sweeping statement, yeah. men talk about it, and I'm going to take that way. And women kind of it, it's because which I guess will come on to. But the mu- the 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 idea that you're meant to be nurturing and caring and a good girl kind yeah. of ties into the way that you comment on people that you fancy yeah. it, it's normally quite en- well I, again I can't talk for everyone because yeah. but, but I would assume some girls do talk kind of like that like fucking hell I fuck him or whatever but yeah. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong no. w- with with that no I agree I think it's I think it's all about context I think yeah. that and obviously, women can be predatory too. And there definitely are girls who, and I like, I'm sure I've, I can't even think now, but I've probably said stuff that's a bit raucous in the past. And there's definitely a lot more. There's Aloni. Do you follow her on Twitter? She's like, um, she's called the Clapback Queen. But she she has a podcast all about sex. I'm not listening to it, but she gets girls to send all their like sex stories, and they do like the most outrageous things. And it's actually really liberating for women because. And the, uh, the pushback on that is, guys, like, oh, my God, if we were saying it. And we're like, yeah, because girls have never had the opportunity yeah. to just be like, oh, my God, went out, got laid last night, and then I slept with another guy. Like, the things they do are, I'm sitting there, and you go, like, reg, like, oh, can't believe they did that. But that's why people love Fleabag. Yeah, exactly. it's the first time on screen that... A woman uh, was, yeah. No, Fleabag was amazing. Uh, did you listen to the uh, Guys We Fucked podcast? No, I tried to, but I couldn't. I've never really got into it. Do you listen to it? Uh, my girlfriend got me into it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's good. It, it, they're really, really open yeah. with what well, it's called Guys We Fucked. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 really, uh, it's really good. It's just refreshing um, having, you know, two girls yeah. uh, talking so openly about just everything everything from just like you know one night stands they've had and a guy they had sex with the other weekend and everything like that and again there's nothing it's it's great have hearing that kind of um attitude towards sex from girls being able to we've got to stop doing i keep doing it to you we've got to say women not girls sorry i'm normally really good at it but i keep saying it we've got to say women not girls because that's do i do i say girls yeah oh god i I don't know why i was copying because i think i think i might have said it but you obviously know why like you shouldn't sit that's one thing i've done with myself i try not to call myself a girl i try to call myself a woman because it's that same sexualization of younger people again which is but it's fine no definitely i wonder if i've been saying boys or men i think i've been saying boys i think we well we interchanged it i don't know it's hard it's interesting though and also i think about i said this to my boyfriend not that long ago I remember thinking it's such a revelation men again it's that same thing always want to be called a man whereas a girl a girl you always want to be called I remember when I thought someone was going to call me a woman I'd be like Ugh. a woman a woman <laughs> now I think it's changing but it sounds matronly 
a girl is like a young girl, young thing, yeah. really fit. A man is a man. Why would you have a man and a girl? That's so weird. But yes. culturally, like now I call myself a woman, but even when I do that, sometimes people look at me. Because manhood's a goal. Yeah. That's what yeah. the fittest thing, because you could, you know, that's what the... Whereas women expire. Uh... <laughs> Culturally, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, because man- manhood is, is the ultimate goal mm. for, for a boy. Where it, So there's that need, like, no, I want to get there, I want to be a man, yeah. I, I want to I be able to be that, you know, masculine male. It's like a, who's going to get there first? So um, we talked a little bit about rape culture, but rape is actually a big theme of mm. rip. I haven't seen the play, but um, I know. Can you talk to me about, first of all, what was your... How did you? What what kind of things do you have to put into place to talk about it? And what research did you have to do to be able to, to be able to delve into that? Um, well, if I say like what made me want to write about it, because mm. it, it's still yes. in the context of yeah. the of the school. Um, when we were, uh, I was touring a show. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, exposed. Um, I, it was all on sex and relationships, and I played two characters. I played the alpha male, and I played uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Jay, and then I played this kind of uh, smaller, kind of geekier guy called uh, Robbie. Um, and it followed uh, these characters and these uh, three other girls, kind of um, finishing college and going into university. And it was over the course of a year, um, and it kind of looked at the different kind of behaviours that each of them employed and their different attitudes to, to sex and relationships and um, anyway my character Robbie at the end through a police interview um, confessed that he had been raped by the alpha male right the alpha, you know Jay um, and delivering this uh, multiple times a week to six formers and colleges certainly got a reaction mm. and we knew it would and the reaction was majority most of the time laughing pointing, cackling, like it's to the point where sometimes I couldn't even finish the monologue because... Because they just found it so humiliating to watch, they, do you think? Just, just funny, just funny to the fact that there was a guy, you know, through gritted teeth right. confessing that he had they been thought raped. It was because, but do you think that laughter did come from a place of n- like nerves and... A little bit. Rather than like, do you think they genuinely thought it was funny? Or do you think they couldn't believe they were watching this lack of masculinity yeah. being played out? Uh, a mixture of all of them and I think some people I think it was not being able to know what to do I mean we, we kind of in a sense we wrote it to uh, get that kind of reaction because we do the workshops with them afterwards so I would say you know why you know, if it was a girl for gritted teeth um, co- confessing that she'd been raped would you laugh and they'd always say no and I'd say mm. why and they'd say because it would be a girl and she's weak and it's sad so, so with a girl they have our sympathy right. but with a guy it's just funny Right, and so that for me that like rang alarm bells as to how we um, how we approach masculinity. That was a direct there with, link there with masculinity. Did, did you have to do trigger warnings when you were taking this into schools? Uh, we would ask the school if right. there had been any uh, incidents. But then, did you ever get people coming forwards after that? Or um, not that I'm aware of. No, no. no I, I I know that has happened in, with other. Yeah. Um, theatre and education companies that they have had students come forward and yeah because I can imagine that's that's really the first time you I don't even know if we got taught about rape in school you know well I I certainly didn't no certainly didn't but um and I mean we wrote that because it was to show the whole spectrum of how people approach the actual act of sex Mm. that it's not always unfortunately we live in a world where it's not always intimate between 
to people. People use it as there's no gratification mm. or pleasure. It's purely power and control. Mm. And it was important for us to have that conversation. Um, so, but the, the, yeah, so their, their reaction just kind of was the catalyst for me wanting to explore um, male rape, the stigma attached to it, um, and tie that in with masculinity and how mm. we view it. And, and that's the journey that, uh, that Jack goes on. Um, that he he tries to just transform himself into a hypermasculine uh, man. Um, one of the most interesting uh, facts that I found was that the majority of um, perpetrators of male rape, man on man rape, um, defi- uh, identify themselves as heterosexual. So wow. it's not a uh, uh, an issue which is strictly tied to the LGBTQ community. Because mm. when we think of male rape, we naturally think, oh, okay, so it's you know. A gay guy with another gay guy and the other gay guy mm. didn't say uh you know said no and that, that that's it. it it can happen to anyone yeah and i mean it's so nuanced and i don't know the statistics or the answer to this but i'm just just like a thought experiment i'm thinking about so if most of the guys that um are doing this they identify as heterosexual but then they are forcibly entering into a sexual relationship it would maybe sound like they are perhaps questioning their own sexuality, but under yeah. such pressure to conform to um, heteronormativity that they say they're heterosexual and also do an act which is, by its very de- definition, kind of the definition of toxic masculinity is is rape. It kind of is that forcing of power, that mm. taking. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it could definitely be guys who are suppressing their sexuality. Yeah. It can also be the really um, frightening idea that some guys do not see that as an act of sex, the fact that in prisons, which is a heavy, right. you know, in prisons, which is a heavily hypermasculine environment, mm. the fact that guys rape one another in prison, but we don't necessarily see that as sexual. as as a sexual. It's a power and control and and, and, and and aggression. And you can have a guy, you know, it happens quite frequently. Guys in prison, they will have a relationship with another guy, a sexual relationship, but they still see themselves as he- as heterosexual. And it goes then beyond it being a kind of like a, an, an attraction yeah. or anything like that. It's an act. It's, it's like a primal thing. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that's what sex would have been. Like I even think in the ancient Greek times, didn't they all just have sex? Or even, this might I might have got this wrong, but I'm sure there was a time when men would only sleep with other men for pleasure and then they only really slept with women to get them pregnant. I and, think I've heard of that. And, yeah. and like it's just this idea that, and I really think this, I think sex, sexuality, who you're attracted to and all those things are, are distinct. Mm. And I think that gender and all these ideas, I think that like sex and pleasure, which is a pleasure, it's like eating, it's one of the only pleasures that you get kind of given automatically, like eating yeah. and like there's very few things that we can really enjoy yeah. um, just by virtue of doing it kind of thing so i do think that sex is is weirdly um well it's really puritanical i guess it goes back to religious times but yeah i can understand how men could enjoy sex as a sexual act without the confines because they're in prison because they are literally emancipated from society Mm. so they have no other structures of i mean actually thinking about it prisons would be such an interesting place to, to study how relationships work and move but again they're not I don't know sorry I'm literally going for it no it, it would be completely because so ev- everything's flipped up yeah in, in, in a prison it's such a hyper masculine environment yeah and uh, they're, they're really really interesting to see just how uh, people um, react and respond and on an individual basis and on a, on a 
throughout the whole prison as well, definitely. Do you find that when you're performing the play or post-performing, do you, does, is it quite straining on you? Do you have to do any work to kind of... Well, I haven't performed it Oh, yet. I haven't performed it at all we, yet. No, we, I said we did the first uh, 20 minutes um, at the Cockpit Theatre a couple of weeks ago to a, a female audience, right. which was really, uh, yeah. really great to, um, to get their reaction. But the previews are on uh, the 22nd, 23rd of July at the Actors' Centre, and Amazing. then we go to Edinburgh. So I haven't actually performed it yet. Oh, my God. So um, are you worried about... Um, you're saying not drinking. Are you going to drink during Edinburgh? Because this is something actually family. So. I don't think no. so, no. I, I, I'm going to try not to. Because it's quite a raucous... I spoke to Grace Campbell on the last mm. episode and she's doing a um, a show at, at the French and she was just saying that it's so known for this kind of like hedonistic, crazy mm, drinking yeah. nature and actually it gets people into a lot of trouble. She spoke to Josh Widdicombe on her podcast and he was saying how every Edinburgh he got depressed and he couldn't figure out why and he realised because yeah. he was just in this cacophony of late nights and drinking God yeah. knows what else. Everywhere's open to like five, six yeah, in the morning. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I can't, Ripped is really uh, physically taxing. Right. You know, I, I end up doing like 70 press-ups oh, in wow. it just like throughout. It's kind of, and there's a lot of shouting and emotional scenes and um, so I, drinking's probably not the no. the, the best. Um, so I'm going to try and abstain from it. Yeah, uh, I suppose you're on the acting side rather than the comedy. Yeah, I think if you're if so you're doing a stand stand up, then yeah. I think it kind of goes slightly more in hand in hand. You could probably do the stand up show with a pint in your hand or a drink. That's true. So, I mean, it, it, I, I can't really do that with, with with the acting. Have you performed at Edinburgh before? Yeah, I took my first my first play I wrote was a one man play called Our Friends the Enemy, which was about the 1914 Christmas truce when they played football. Oh my god, yeah, I only know that really awfully because of that Sainsbury's advert where they give yes, you the chocolate, that's when, which was amazing. That was when we uh that came out when we were um uh, uh on tour. So Ooh. that was kind of, kind of good. I think really ticket, good timing. ticket sales went up actually. I, I can think imagine. we we were playing at the Yvonne Arno in uh Guildford and we sold out when that when that came out. Wow. So I, I think it did quite. Uh, it was good for us. It just shows sounds. how powerful media is. It's just a shame yeah. that we t- tend to gravitate towards very unhelpful narratives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. So I've I've been to Edinburgh before and done uh, a one man play. So I'm aware of kind of what's involved and how raucous and wild it can be. Okay, that's good. Um, I have another question which I just thought of because I found it really interesting and I don't really know guys' opinions on this. Do you want to have children? That's not the main question. That's just the precursor. Uh, yeah. I, said, I actually said to my girlfriend the other day, I was like, I really want to be a dad. Do you? Yeah. So when, are you scared? Because I'm so scared of being a mum because I think of all the things I want to teach my children and how I want them to be able to like yeah. express their gender, how they want, I want them to express their sexuality. And like, I think mm-hmm. that once you get into this wormhole, like black hole of unpicking systemic injustice and stuff, it's suddenly, the, is this is this a wormhole you've got into yet when you think about parenthood? Like if you had a son, do you think there's very specific things you would try to teach them? Yeah, definitely. What would be the main thing that you think a young man should kind of have to harness in order to kind of avoid the perils of toxic masculinity. Don't be a dick. <laughs> but <laughs> is, even is that, that, is that language, simple? though, is, the, yeah, is but, that not interesting? Uh, but no, like, you know I mean? Like, I don't mean, you know I mean? I mean like, a dick is in, like, you know, of, yeah. of what the connotations of being yeah. a dick are. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, don't don't be a dick. Don't, don't, be, don't be a, 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 a idiot to, to other people. Be respectful be respectful to yourself. But do you not think that, that those things are symptoms? I think that acting out the 
the lack of it, it comes from insecurity and so I don't know I think about this kind of thing all the time because I find parenthood really fascinating but mm. I think that children who are bullies or children who are cruel to other children it's not because they're being a dick it's probably because yeah. they've got some kind of insecurity or they've been brought up in an environment where they have like no mm. real attachment to their parents whatever so I sorry that was a bit of an annoying thing to say but I do think and when I think about it it's about trying to teach your child all the tools to know they're loved and then I don't know silly thing no, I don't yeah, know no, definitely yeah um, completely I think I'm teaching them uh, to think um, I think just teaching them how to be a good human which sounds yeah. so uh, so sweeping and so yeah but I think there's there's you know certain traits which make you Rather than teach them an agendered way, just teach them how to be a good person. Yeah, and acceptance. Yeah. Because so so much um, misery and and violence in the world and Mm. abuse comes from a lack of acceptance. Totally. And just understanding that, you know, any anything which makes you know it, which is coming from a place of of love mm. is great and should be celebrated yeah. and and completely supported. Why waste your time and energy on stuff which is is just extra love in the world? It, it it's it's yeah. there's so many other things that you should be doing. I know with with your life and you know sometimes it's like when people get so angry and so uh, insulted by just such trivial things such as mm. you know gay marriage. It's like. Mm. Have a day off. Come on, there's, there's so many other, really just just extra love in the world, which I think we could we, we need more of totally right now. It's just it, it, it. yeah. I I think the hardest bit about it all though is because whilst we're talking about like dismantle, so even I've had to like dismantle my white feminism, recognize where I'm actually acting in a way which is profiting me still because I'm not making spaces for women of color, or whatever else, and then not centered. There's so many things that go on yeah. in my mind. Um, but the difficulty is when you're doing all those changes again, like to undo your toxic masculinity, when when there's still a, like a large, vast group of people who haven't caught up with it yet, the other fear is like trying to create a world. It just feels quite polarised. So if you bring up your child to be this really woke, gender non-conforming, whatever, and then the, we still have these old stereotypical hope it will have changed. But I think that's where we're at right now. I think yeah. the problem is that we've got two camps of people, ones who are still very much living a way which you and I might feel is maybe not that helpful mm. and then very and then everyone in the middle is kind of apathetic to it and maybe not impacted but, but the, the change has happened yeah. and will continue to happen and it might not happen in our children's generation it might be our children's 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 generation where we see yeah. a real a real Shift. difference um, and I think that's that's where uh, yeah people will see the difference um, but it's interesting you said about you know what what because I was thinking about this and like you know working in schools and listening to young people and seeing where their heads are at now mm. like it's really really interesting going into a school talking about their ideas on sex and relationships you're like whoa you know things have things have changed oh, things yeah. are not like they're they not phased by a lot of stuff oh no not at all not at all um, which <laughs> then you kind of think do I want to bring a child into this world I know. do I want to well, you know bring them in yeah. and do all this going on well that's the way because I get caught in this this whole um, duplicitous bubble the whole time about especially about social media because on the one hand it's incredible that a five year old speaks to someone who's trans and is literally has no judgement mm-hmm. and is so okay with it but that same five year old might have access to incest porn or whatever it is that they'll end up falling upon and mm. this is the weird thing with the internet is I think on the one hand it is educating a generation of change makers um, yeah. and I really do think that they will and are having a, a massive impact much more than I would have had but then is that sad that there's that loss of innocence youth and playfulness where they don't 
no, like ignorance is bliss and that ignorance period seems to be getting shorter and shorter for the for kids. Yeah, completely. I mean, the um, a statistic that we used to read out in the, I used to give the porn chat at the end of the, the workshops, which is always, and you deliver it in front of like, you know, the entire year group. So, you, you know, 315 mm. year olds surrounding you and you give, uh, I always had to give the porn chat. Um, and uh, I think the big, if I remember correctly, the biggest consumer of pawns were, of pawns, the biggest consumer age group of porn was uh, 16 year olds. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And and one in six, I think it was one in six, like six year olds had watched That's porn, mad. which is crazy. Well, it's the biggest really thing on worrying. the internet, doesn't it? Take up like the majority of the space on the internet is porn. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, and you don't have to answer, what's your opinion on porn? Um... Now that you've like got more work, in, in what kind of thing do you mean? Like, do you find it like? Can you? Because I've tried to watch porn, but to be honest, the whole time I've looked, I just see it as like this doesn't look that great. I think it doesn't look that enjoyable or yeah, realistic. Or I think, um, well, I mean, it's completely unrealistic. Mm. And I think that's what we always had to tell the, you know, the the students, like you know, that's not yeah. how it works. That's yeah. not like what real sex is life because if you've got someone who's never had sex before and they just watch yeah. loads of porn when it comes down to it like what are you going to well, grab are you going to grab the girl's hair and yeah. smash her against the oh wall and God. then flip her over like I don't know well apparently so, loads of them are actually like desensitised because yeah, they've, they've like masturbated so much to porn that when they try to have like normal sex it's not like and then they get hard into a friend of mine's a solicitor and he uh, was uh, defending someone who had uh, indecent material on their computer um, and they got into it because they got de so desensitized <gasps> to porn that it, it got more. They needed something that was, because I've always wondered this, whenever I have, I even was looking at it the other day because I, I wanted to see what came up on porn. So I literally typed in like Pornhub and the top things are like incest, oh God. stepbrother, stepmom, stepdad, stepmom or whatever. And it's the first page, and I was thinking that is so weird. I'm really interested because I think um, another friend of mine who's a documentary maker is making one about porn, and her and I were both saying, like, for both of us, it just doesn't, I, I don't, I'm never really, I don't know, It just. it's just not for me. But I, I do think that that must be the reason why I think people have such a large access to so much porn that you get like bored of it which is it's, it's spoiled for choice yeah you know there's there's categories within categories within categories but i don't even know how it's leaked like it's it's very odd um yeah I'm, I'm not sure of the legalities of it i i remember i'm um, going to the being a man festival at south bank and they had a uh a, a talk um on on porn mm. um and it was to do with how uh Porn is still kind of um, perpetuating these uh, racist ideas, you know, like right. guys going into like oh, the Amazon yeah. jungle and like uh, having uh, sex with these tribes, women, and this girl oh. was saying that I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a you know really uh, head turn of a title. Are you just like wow? They got mm. away with that. There's like no, not really. And even a the lot categories of... are like racially. Mm. organised and things the other thing with porn though I have to say quickly just whilst we're on it is that I support all sex workers and porn yeah, stars and everything yeah. it's just that for me I think the way that it's generally 
director. It's the it's the the narrative and the fact that I guess the guy I don't know if you've ever listened to John Ronson. No. You would love him. Um I'll just quick sidetrack. So he is a doc I think he's a documentary maker, but he's really fascinated by porn. I think he's got a film out or a book called The Butterfly Effect and it's all about how the guy who starts up Pornhub has ruined like all these porn stars' lives because before they used to live like mm. really lavishly, they'd have amazing careers and they're actually quite like celebrities. Yeah. But because of this free streaming porn industries, not only is it cheapened it, but it's made it a lot darker and I think a lot right. scarier because it's kind of um contractually. But he's fascinating. I definitely would look and listen yeah. to him. He's been on a lot of podcasts as well. Okay. But the, what I, f- I quite like is the fact that more um, f- women uh, in the industry are taking control mm. of porn themselves and making f- yeah, films female, that they're yeah. either, yeah, that they're writing and that they're directing and that they're producing and they have a control over. Um, I think that's really interesting. I think uh, the idea of you know, making porn for women mm. rather than just for a male. Yeah. Um, a male audience is really, really interesting as well. Yeah, definitely. I've always wanted to write, like, I think writing like a TV show, like a drama series or something um, based in, you know, the porn industry, following the lives mm. of porn stars and that idea. Well, Sex Education on Netflix, not the same thing, but was no, amazing. I haven't seen it. It's oh on my, my God, it's list. unbelievable. You have to watch it. It's yeah. just so clever it's so smart they time so many things and it's like they're british but they set it interestingly and it's like looks like an american high school yeah which is it was really cool i was listening to someone saying the reason they did that was because it made it feel a lot more attractive like if you look at a british state school on tv it doesn't it's rainy and it doesn't it's just <laughs> yeah, not of course, that of course. aesthetically yeah, yeah. pleasing so the idea of doing that and it's kind of like 70s i think yeah. It's a really clever direction. It's, oh, that's that's really cool. Stuff like that is amazing. It's yeah. just, I think all of us 25-year-olds, 30, 40-year-olds are watching that going, this is great for the kids. And the kids are all, I say kids, I know I'm still a kid, but they're all watching actual porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, it's just a shame, I don't think, that it reaches the right audience. No, but as long as, you know, people watching porn, especially young people who are the biggest consumers mm. of it, uh, understand that it, it's, it's not real. Yeah. And that, you know, not all guys dicks are like 10 inches yeah and and you know that that it's it's just quite an unrealistic thing as long as that if people go away from that and be like oh that's that's, that's how yeah. it works and that's what i'm supposed to look like but i don't look like that yeah then that's why i think we're going to uh run into problems definitely i don't know how we even got onto this but i've literally i was I've gonna ask why, why did you want to bring up porn how did we even get that you, I can't you said you wanted you thought of a question to do with porn Oh, I can't even remember what the point was. That I guess it just that ties into. I can't remember how we got there. What there must have been a reason. Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. I don't know. But it, I mean, <laughs> it certainly plays into the whole ma- yeah. masculinity and the the because porn has always been the dominance of men over mm. over women. Yeah. Um, and I I think porn plays a, a really important uh, part in that in you know gender stereotypes yeah. and the fact that we can access it anywhere yeah anytime and it's not taught in sex education i think now the new legislation is that in schools they are going to have a section but it's unbelievable that that's not taught i mean you can get it on anywhere it doesn't have to be like it's on twitter sometimes i get things retweeted i'm like oh i don't want to see that on the tube and it'll be like full anal or something and i'm like oh my god (laughs) it's like i'll because if you follow random i follow one for some reason it's like stay hydrated but it's meant like a water pit i don't know when i followed it but they retweet like r-rated stuff so i had to unfollow them because it would be like why are they retweeting because i don't think it was actually that i think that obviously all like big accounts that just change their names and like retweet each other so i don't think when i followed it it was that okay do you see what i mean and then they they just kind of must sell them on yeah it's awful i'm surprised twitter doesn't have a uh privacy kind of not privacy. What am I talking about? I don't know. A, a, I think there must be something about the way that it works that it just can't do it on 
on Twitter because I think that is one of the, the worst ones because obviously on Instagram you can't really get away with it. No, you can't. It's very yeah. censored. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Amazing. Anyway, right. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Was there anything else that you particularly wanted to talk about uh, that we hadn't got to? Not really. I mean, I, I was interested in uh, talking to you. Um, I, I, I want. To, I was the questions that you were going to ask me. I kind of wanted oh, yeah. to uh, mirror back to you as well, just because when we were talking earlier about you know um, uh, being a boy and growing up mm. in school and how that differs to you know what a what what a girl's going through. Because mm. as a guy, you know, you don't really like girls. Don't really know what. Mm. guys went through or guys are going through and the same with with guys you know we, we it's kind of it's like that you know a primary school uh, disco the boys on yeah. one side the girls on the other side we're totally. all just looking at each other um i think i can remember one of our things was everyone wanted to start their period because okay. we just thought again it was that like that made you were really grown up we didn't really know what it was yeah. but we just knew that we wanted it yeah and we'd like every break there was a point where i think we just learned about it and i remember me and my friend used to go to toilet every break and be like check uh, obviously we didn't get it it's really very weird like just yeah. really adolescent I think it is that wanting to um, be older and it was making me laugh when you were saying about year 7s I remember being in year 7 and one of the boys said she's a wank and we were all like ha 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 but we none of us knew what it meant and something else about like pubes again none of us knew what they were talking about but we just used to laugh and I remember about four years later I then found out what it was and I was thinking oh that's what that I must remember that like it's just that you know that you're not I don't know how you know that these words are silly but someone would find it out from like a big brother and then it would go around school. But no one would want to admit that they didn't know what it was. So no one would ask. Yeah, yeah. everyone just nods along. So everyone would be like, have you been fingered? We'd all be like, yeah. <laughs> no idea what it meant. And then we'd be like, what is that? And they're like, I don't know. They're like, where do you think? What are they fingering? Like, honestly, no idea. That's quite sweet, though, because I think that is just yeah. like child's play. But also, we couldn't Google it. We used to type in boobs on our calculator, and that was like the most was, yeah. naughty thing you could do. And Or we would search on clip art. You could search like boobs and stuff. Do you oh, remember yes, that? I remember clip art, yeah, yeah. And you could actually, it would, weirdly I don't know why it did have like boobs we used to get in trouble yeah. for doing that but that was like the naughtiest thing you could find which is hilarious or the, the encyclopedias that you could this on the CD-ROMs you could put uh, in and type in like sex oh <laughs> yeah no you're right that's so funny so yeah it was very like I think with girls for us mostly it was about it was a lot about body image for me I don't know if that was the same for everyone but a lot of the girls like it was because you for guys it's always great getting bigger all you want to be is not skinny and girls you go from being skinny which is like the ideal body to suddenly like putting on a bit of fat or getting like hormonal mm. stuff and that I think a lot of mine was focused on body image that was like my main issue um, I'm just trying to think what else definitely body hair and shaving and it's all just it, it seems very mirrored but just the complete opposite so where the guys are trying to stay looking older the girls are kind of like as much as we want to be more grown up and we want to grow boobs and stuff we also wanted to stay like it's very yeah. weird and I think is it one thing we didn't talk about is 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 the twenties, and I think the twenties oh, yeah. is just an extension of your yeah. of your teens. I know you're you're still in your in your oh, but I'm 20s. fully in that weird headspace of like yeah. what the fuck is going on. But I think I'm for me my 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 twenties were just an ex certainly the first half were just an mm. extension of my teens. You're still like figuring out, and because you're out of school, then mm. you're out of university. Uh, university is a crazy time as well. Like you're you're out of university, and you're thrown into the big wide world mm. and there's so much other much other stuff going on and taking it back to masculinity you know you're, you're faced with new challenges mm. you're faced with kind of real people and and real feelings and real situations and it's you know it's it's a hugely uh confusing time and uh trying to navigate your way through the modern world of masculinity yeah. the absurdity of it all yeah. as well is is really challenging and i think growing up as well with 
so this is the reason I started the podcast because I was in that weird limbo and I do feel like I'm getting to know myself more but even now something happened to me the other day where this guy was just so entitled and I realised he was getting so angry at me because I was not agreeing with him he'd like left a dirty towel somewhere and I'd moved it and he was like you can't move someone's towel and I was like well I'll get you another towel then but you don't just leave something around the gym and he was like shouting at me I was like this mm. is so weird and I realised he was slightly older than me and he just could not believe that I wasn't going oh sorry I think it really was just like mm. a, a power play he couldn't believe that yeah. I had a voice and so many things like that happen to me where I'll just get put down by men and it's funny because I don't tend to hang out with these people so when that happens in real life I'm really like affronted by it really shocks me whereas that's my mum's like lived experience when she came on the podcast and talked about she was like oh this senior consultant at the hospital I used to work at she's like you always be like do you want a QLO and I was like what's that she's like quick Lego but obviously I have to tell him off and I was like that's awful but that she was like oh, we always get flushed out and so and so do this and I was like that's sexual harassment she yeah, was like yeah. no that's just so it's interesting how our attitudes like everything's stayed the same it's just the way we view it has really yeah. evolved and changed but I think um even being like an outspoken woman, I shared something in my story yesterday that was like, I'd rather be a feminist, and out that that outspoken feminist, than someone who participates in my own dehumanization. Because nice. it is that thing of sometimes I'll get things like, well, you're very opinionated, or she's a nuisance, or she's really this and that. And I think, well, either I conform to how you want me to be mm. and kind of like don't reach anything new, or or I do stand up for myself yeah. I think we are in that weird that weird time I think more conversations like this need to happen between men and women yes and so we, so it's clear that you don't think in a certain way and we don't think that you think in a certain yeah. way and I think there's an awful lot of common ground that people can actually come towards and just just help everyone in, in, in the process massively and my book club for instance that I run every month no guys ever come one guy came last month and it was so great to have a guy there and the reason that guys don't is ironically they're like well it's a room full of women and I feel intimidated and I'm like but that's every woman's room because every yeah. office you go into is full of men and we're it's, the only th there's the one. privilege that yeah, they don't understand exactly and so I do agree and I do worry sometimes that with our feminism we aren't inclusive of men and then it creates more of a us and them thing when it shouldn't be because as you say toxic masculinity the patriarchy feminism is about all of us it's structural yeah. it's not about the individual man no. or the individual woman it's about how we as a society function with each other yeah but unfortunately because there are people especially the way the media does it so like Piers Morgan will get people on his show which um, kind of pandered to that stupid rhetoric of like women being a nuisance or whatever and then so unfortunately the lay person who may not have access to this kind of conversation yeah. will just see outright feminist says that women should never mm. wear a bra and it just makes it sound so stupid yeah, yeah. and that's the problem I think um, and then the people who are interested in it generally I don't know it's, it's hard to create it'd be amazing to create a space where men and women were more involved in those conversations because I think I think for a guy sometimes feminism probably feels quite exclusive um, a little bit yeah sometimes I mean uh, I think um, I think you know I'd like to feel that I'm in some way an, an ally mm. to that yeah. you know um, and I think just by men being aware of their own privileges um, and being aware of their own behavior and, and attitudes and how it impacts other people itself can be an ally. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't think you need to wear the feminist t-shirt, but just being aware that, you know, we're all equal yeah. and we should be seen like that and there's no power exerted over definitely. someone else. But I think a lot of guys can't get, that's the perfect place to be and you're right, being an ally, it's like that. that's exactly what we're looking for. But the, the, prob the sad thing is that I think before you get to that, 
you have to get through the barrier of getting over the not all men and getting over the fact that mm. it's not about you and getting and then and then you can get there I think there's a big and basically a lot of women who are maybe like me and think quite feminist things so such a shit sentence <laughs> they can't be bothered to do the emotional labour to teach those men who are going but not all men and like if I had a penny for every time I said that I'd be they someone said that to me I'd be like a millionaire yeah, and yeah. if I had the energy and the resources to be like look I'm going to sit down with you personally explain why you are part of the problem not because you're an arsehole but no, because yeah. so, like, I don't have time to do that unfortunately course, yeah. so I think that's it's how do we get that middle ground uncovered yeah um, so that we can we can meet in the middle because otherwise I think I think this is why we've ended up with the Trump and the Boris and the other problems yeah, going on I mean that is, is just podcast in itself, <laughs> I know it is yeah that's really yeah I think we've covered so many topics brilliant so if people do want to come and see you you're doing your previews on Monday Tuesday Monday Tuesday 22nd 23rd of uh, July not February July at the Actors Centre which cool. is next door to Tristan Bates Theatre in Leicester Square. Wow. And then we are at the Underbelly, at Cowgate, the Underbelly, at the Edinburgh Festival, 1st to the 25th of August at 1pm. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've literally loved this. Oh, it's been a really uh, good episode. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And if you want to find you on Instagram or socials or anything, what do they need to look for? Or you're not interested in that? I know I am. You can do it. <laughs> I only, only got started my Instagram up again for a rip, so I'm not sure how active I am. So I think it's uh, Best of the Biro, B I R. B-I-R-O, best okay, of the cool. biro or just Alex Gwyther. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much Thank and thanks for much. listening, guys. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.